Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into GC Live, talking Tuesday night, season turn Joe, I'm Mike Yuva, and we head into week four of the season. The season is just continuing to move quickly, but for this Gamecock team, they are still trying to figure out a lot of things, one of those things being running back, uh, well, that running back room as a whole, trying to get some type of run game, we'll get into that, the offensive line, which we've seen a lot of growth in comparison to where it was week one. We will get into that as well. And then just defense as a whole. Talk some special teams. Anything else in there as well. And we'll look back at the week that was against Georgia as well. But as we always do, and in turn, Joe, you were in the house today. I was indeed. What was your biggest takeaway from listening to Shane Beamer and the Gamecock players who was a surprise today? There was no list. It was all TBA. And we got to see for uh, Spencer Rattler, Louis Tosin Bubalade, Javon Baugh, Nick Eamon Worry, Stone Blanton. Trying to think if we missed anyone. Drew Tamazawa. Drew Tamazawa was in there as well. So what was just your biggest takeaway from the day? Yeah, so my big takeaway from today, um, from at least from everyone, was how close Tree and Trevon or Trevon Baugh. It's it's I always mess up the last name because you go from the O to the A. It's it's tough, but no, Trevon Baugh or Baugh. Those two are so tightly knit it's it's ridiculous um boss said that he drives tree everywhere because tree doesn't drive and and you know when he when he talks to his mom that that his mom always asks how tree's doing where he is that kind of thing so um that was my biggest takeaway that you know those two they're really really tight knit and they're both you know breaking into the starting lineup at the same time i think it's really beneficial that they are doing that together because again like i said they're they're, they're really really tight knit uh, almost like siblings, almost like twins, if you will. Um, except Tree is very animated and very, very, very funny. I know the Gamecock fans we were talking with, Colin Taylor actually said this. He's like, fans are going to start to love him. And I, I couldn't agree more. Um, walked into the room with a huge smile on his face. Just really, 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 really funny. And Shane backed that up. He's like, you never know what Tree's going to say, but you know it's going to be funny. So um, that was a big thing for me is just like, you know, they have a lot of confidence in these two freshmen and they're kind of, you know, letting them rip. And also Jalon Kilgore as well. He he said something really interesting that yep, stuck out Kilgore to me. Kilgore was also up there. Yep. Yeah. He stuck out, something that he said that stuck out to me was like he said that the, the group of freshmen, they kind of came in here knowing that they were going to have to play and perform right away. And, you know, that they, they were ready for it. I mean, I, I think it's hard to, to get a group of freshmen that are, you know, all on the same page and all ready to do that together um so 
that impressed me. And then the last thing from Shane was that they called more runs or designed runs in, in the Georgia game. They were just RPOs and, and got checked out of at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And I was going to follow up with Shane to see if, if it was a line of scrimmage thing or if it was like in the middle of the play, Spencer checked out of it or something like that. But I, I didn't have the chance to follow back up with that. But I mean, that, well, that's pretty much what I took away today. Looking looking at that, Joe, we talked about it last week on the pregame show. We talked about it postgame show. We talked it about it on your show last night, the walkthrough. Yeah. With South Carolina going up against Georgia last weekend, I know Gamecock fans don't want to give Will Muschamp credit ever, but give Muschamp and Kirby Smart credit. Last year, they did a lot of stunts, um, pre-snap, moving the shifting around with the defensive line, mid-cadence, and that caused issues. I mean, one of the quotes in particular that I want to get into is from Spencer Rattler talking about a specific, a specific full start, but they threw a lot at them. And I thought South Carolina, with – all things considered, based on what we saw week one with the offensive line, I felt like they held their own. Now, granted, there was a lot of times where Rattler was under pressure. I don't want to make excuse for the weather, right? I mean, there's going to be people that will say that Georgia was dealing with the weather, too. So I don't want to talk about weather. And, you know, I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week. But I think more than anything is that this team is slowly starting to improve in certain areas that hopefully, like we talked about after week one, we're probably not going to know what this team is all about until they play Mississippi State. Now, I think they showed a lot more fight than a lot of people probably expected them to show against Georgia, especially after week one. And we'll have to wait and see what this Georgia team is all about. I mean, the SEC as a whole this year, I mean, you want to talk about it just being a roller coaster. You don't know what the heck's going on. So, We'll see how things play out for the Bulldogs, but I like certain things. Now, there's still plenty of question marks, plenty of question marks. Now, one thing I do want to play, though, you know, we, we talked about the the soundbite of the day or what stood out to us the most today, Joe. You shared, you shared about the closeness between Tree and Ba, and I think that's awesome, you know, how – Tree's mom's always, or, or Ba's mom's like, where's, where's Tree, you know? And I think being able to have that rapport early on, and it stinks that Marquis Anderson's done for the year, Shane being yeah. reported on Sunday night to us. Um, but I like what this group's doing. So here's the soundbite that I want to play. This is from Spencer Rattler today, and it shows me two things. And I'll talk about those two things after we take a listen. So here we go. Rattler from today, just the 15-second soundbite. I could care less about his false starts. You know, when we have a receiver false start or an older guy false start, that that we don't accept. Um, you know, Tree's first game starting in a big-time environment, and for him to not allow one sack, even the pressure, I feel like he's a dude. So yeah. what, what that shows me is two things. One, the thing that we think we already know, both of these things we kind of already knew, that Tree's going to be a dude. Tree's going to be a stud. There's a different publication. They named him the National Freshman of the Week, and rightfully so. As you heard from Rattler, didn't allow a sack this weekend. And to be able to start in that environment, if you've never been to Athens, it was my first time. It was crazy, especially in the second half as Georgia started to get back into it. So I say that because that could have been intimidated for him. But, man, you, you oh, yeah. get to be around his personality and just seeing the way he is. You can see that when he's on the field, he's all business. He's, he changes. He's a boom. I'm back to game mode. But that's one thing that we learned. 
Yeah. And that's absolutely. good. And they need it. But number two, oh, yeah. Spencer Rattler is a hell of a leader. Hell of a leader. Yeah. You know, hearing a guy say that doesn't only send a message to the rest of the team, but it sends a message straight to Tree like, hey, buddy, look, and not just you, but Ba and any of the younger guys that get in there, you're going to make mistakes. We've heard Dal Logan say it. It's one thing when Dal says it. It's one thing when one of the coaches say it. But it's another when you have a teammate, especially the leader of this team, your starting quarterback who's playing on obviously a different level, to have him say that, it goes a long way in building up that confidence. And while Tree might look like he has some confidence right now, it's going to only help because the reality is because he's a freshman, just like with any football player, there's going to be ups and downs. He's going to continue to learn things and experience first that just happen when you're playing college football. I mean, he's only been, what, three weeks in going into his fourth week, only has one start under his belt. So there's a lot of things, you know, good and bad, unfortunately, that he's going to experience. But having someone like Rattler, who obviously is playing on a different level right now, but having him say that, that's going to help with his confidence. And I think that is just, again, shows the maturity and leadership from QB1. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I firmly agree. I think Spencer has made a lot of growth as a person. Um, I think it took a lot for him to, you know, transfer and, and do all that. That was a very humbling experience. And I think we're seeing that. And now we're seeing the fruits of his labor, you know, putting his head down and grinding all of last year and in and, and the off season and coming into this year. Um, and th that doesn't happen without being a good person and being a good leader. You can't achieve what he has been able to achieve without, you know, um, living up to, you know, the, the role model that you're supposed to be, if you will. So I think that's, that's big. And then tree, it helps so much when you have somebody as funny as tree Babalade on the offensive line, especially now when they, you know, the, the media was ripping this offensive line to shreds. And I mean, after UNC rightfully so, but to get tree in there, I think it helps a lot because you have a guy who's young, he's fresh, who can clearly play. Right. I think that Georgia game was a clear indication to everybody that, this kid can play like he's, he's legit. He's as advertised. And I, I think going into Georgia, I mean, personally, I was a little worried about it. I'm like, I don't know. Like they haven't, they haven't thrust him in here yet. Like they haven't put him in a spot like that. Like I, I kind of expected, you know, he, he wasn't really in the rotation to start so that maybe that means they were confident in him. But I mean, they did the thing where, you know, you put him in a tough spot and he, he performed. So going forward, I think tree and both Tro are going to be huge. And then, I mean, looking way ahead, Mike, I think mm -hmm. this is huge when it c comes down to, like, getting experience for Tree and Tro both. Because if you look at the 2024 recruiting class, you've got a lot of really, really talented offensive linemen coming in. And I was it Pringle – or no, Josiah Thompson was made a five-star yesterday, I believe, or Monday um, by, by on three. So, that I mean, that's – it's huge to be able to have Tree and Tro both getting reps as a freshman. So that way when the, the great wall of Carolina comes to fruition, you have guys that have, you know, been in it before and, and been, they, they, they understand what the work ethic needs to be to mm -hmm. perform and also just, you know, how to be a good teammate because they're learning that and, and being thrust in there gives you a lot of advantages down the road for both of those guys. Really? Now, the reality is all that stuff is great. I'm not disagreeing with you, Joe, but there's going to be a lot of people. Yeah. 
that are going to be like, all right, that's awesome. I'm excited about the future. Yeah. And I think a lot of people do want to see some of the younger guys because they're thinking more about the future. Some of them think also that maybe some of these guys are better than some of the guys that have, you know, been in uh, different spots ahead of them. And I'm not fully disagreeing with that, but I also think it's really easy just to say, okay, Jalon Kilgore, or, um, you know, you see obviously Louis and Bubalade or, you know, Trevon Boss, some of these guys get in there and we, we see people just assume like, all right, someone else can just go in there and plug them in. Now, as Beamer mentioned, some of these freshmen, I think he actually, he mentioned Nick Harbour today. Correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. He mentioned Nick Harbour today. He mentioned some of these younger guys getting them in there a little bit more. He actually mentioned it right after the game. I think Colin actually asked him right after the Georgia game. He said, shoot, we should have been able to get Trevon Ball out there a little bit more. So I bring that up because while we have seen progress in certain areas, there's still uh, this lack of ability to establish the run. And I know that's been something that's been frustrating Gamecock fans, even going back to the offseason. We've, we've, um, I don't really want to repeat all the stuff that we've been saying in the offseason. I know we sometimes have new viewers, but I'll say this. This is what you got, okay? If you're pissed off about, you know, this is, uh, why do we have this or that? No, no, no. This is the wrong show for you, all right? Go find someone else online. I'm sure someone will listen to you. We're not going to do that here, okay? This is week friggin' four, all right? This isn't the NFL. There's no free agency right now. This is what you got, all right? That's just the reality of where it is. That's what you got right now. Having said all that, having said all that, the run game needs to get better. And the crazy part about it is South Carolina right now, as of today, they rank eighth in pass offense. I bring that up because when you look at the games they've played, yeah, I know they've played Furman in there as well, but it it wasn't like they were really padding the stats on. You know what I mean? Like you sometimes you see it. It's not even just college football. It's the NFL. Right. Defenses are playing back a little bit and they're just dumping, dumping, dumping. And you're really able to pad the stats. That hasn't been the case. Like the passing attack has been pretty freaking good. And the craziest part about that is two things. One, (laughs) you've been banged up at wide receiver. You've been banged up at wide receiver, right? Juice Wells, poor kid goes down again this weekend. As I told people, I told you, of course, too, but I put it in our report last week. Juice came over to me in pregame. He said, Mike, I'm feeling real good today. And we saw that on the opening drive. Two catches for over 30 yards in that touchdown on that screen pass. And unfortunately, he re-injures that foot. Uh, we'll get into that. Saw the specialists, though, today. Good news from Beamer saying he doesn't expect it to be a season-ending injury, but he will not play, which as expected. But Beamer officially putting that out there today. So I say all that, though, because, yes, they've been banged up at right wide receiver. They've been playing a little bit of musical chairs out there, and yet they've still been able – to get the offense going from a passing standpoint. Offensive line, they've made improvements. They've made improvements. But yet they haven't been able to do this with a running attack that's consistent to the point where South Carolina, again, as of today, they rank 128 out of 130 teams in FBS. I think they're averaging around 50-something yards a game on the ground. So the fact is that they're doing this while not really being able to be anything more than one dimensional. I mean, yes, they had success against Furman, but outside of that, they've they've only really been able to throw the football. So I say that Joe, because I see a lot of the comments and I don't disagree. 
I don't disagree that Mario Anderson should be, see more touches, okay? I will throw this in here, though. Just giving you guys a little sneak peek. I don't want to show everything because it is part of our premium access on On3. But I want to show this, okay? Those are the number of snaps at that position this past weekend, all right? You see quarterback, obviously, Rattler was out there for 61 of them. And you see to carry on Joyner, 45, and then Mario Anderson, 16. Mario is starting to see his workload go up. And I expect him to continue to see that workload go up. Now, obviously, of that 16, that doesn't mean he had 16 touches. He had like, what, Joe, two rushes for, I don't know, I think he had maybe like nine yards, something like that. Yeah, it was something close to that. So, and his long came on that first carry on third and one. Yeah. I expect Mario to see more touches, but that doesn't mean to carry on Joyner should instantly go bye-bye at running back. There's some people that want to just move at receiver. No, no, no. The reason why a part of the reason why South Carolina is having as much success in the passing game as they are. Yes. The offensive line has got better. It's not perfect, but it's got better. To carry on Joyner has done an outstanding job from a pass pro standpoint as well. That is one of the reasons why we've talked about this before, but that's one of the main reasons why they continue to have him out there. That's not to say Juju. That's not to say Mario. That's not to say DJ Braswell. They can't do a good job pass pro. No one's saying that. But at the same time, too, when you have someone out there that has proven it and you trust him, and he's probably doing it in practice as well, it's tougher to take you off the field. So I, I think the challenging part, Joe, is you have someone like DK who's helping your pass pro, but you also need to find a way to establish the run. And I think the way you do that, which, again, I think everyone's going to agree, you continue to mix in Mario out there, which we have saw more this week. We obviously saw that in Fer- against Furman. But we saw that this week. And you continue to give him more touches. But you also mix it up, and you continue to put DK out there because DK – again, has given you a lot from a pass pro standpoint. If the run game gets going with any running back, it's going to help out the other running backs as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I agree, Mike. I think you need to get Mario Anderson in there. I think he has solidified himself into this, you know, three-headed monster, I guess you will, of the potential running backs they're going to use between Juju McDowell and um, to carry on Joyner and Mario Anderson. I think those three guys are, are the guys that you need to use to, you know, integrate the run game a little bit more. And like I said, I mean, Shane said it today earlier too. He said there were called runs in that Georgia game that got audibled out of that were RPO checks at the line of scrimmage. I believe it was at the line of scrimmage. Like I said, I didn't get the chance to follow up on that, but either way, I think, you know, by using those three different types of backs, you're able to, you know, give a defense different looks so by, I mean, we talked about it on Saturday, kind of abandoning the run game. I think how you eliminate that and by, by diversifying your looks, you're giving defense is, is purely just by switching running backs. Like I, I think each different guy brings a different look. So to get around um, the defense stop and the run, you, you have to give them different looks. And by doing that, you, you know, sub in different backs. I mean, DK, you can run out of the wildcat. Like I, I saw mm-hmm. Saw the comment that DK runs better at the uh, out of the Wildcat. I disagree a little bit, but you're not far off with that take. Um, I think DK does pretty well out of out of the Wildcat, but I also don't think he is as bad as people are making it out to be when he's getting handed the ball off either. 
Um, but yeah, a lot of comments just where guys are. It's it's just really hard to get a Mario Anderson in when you know your run game can't get off the ground at all. But we'll see. But we'll see. We'll see more of these guys get out there. And here's the reason why. It's not just because. Obviously, the real easy reaction is if things don't go well during a week, like, all right, next week we've got to flush things and start over, right? I get that. And I'm not here to say that if, God forbid, South Carolina struggles this week against Mississippi State, that that wouldn't happen at certain positions because I believe it would. But I think bigger picture of it all is as we head into week four, and we heard from a lot of those freshmen today. I mean, I brought that up with Colin. I said, Colin, I can't remember the last time. And obviously the Will Muschamp error was different because he's cut from the saving cloth and they have that rule where freshmen don't speak to the media. But having as many true freshmen speak today, I think it sent a message. And not just true freshmen, but you have obviously sophomores that are getting in the mix as well. It sent a message that this team, yes, is very young, but they're starting to really grow. They're starting to grow and they trust them. And it's not just trust in terms of, okay, hey, we're going to put them on the field. We're trusting them to also go in front of the media. I mean, we put requests in. That doesn't mean every player is going to be out there. Okay, so I just want to throw that out there. These guys are starting to earn the trust of this coaching staff, and they're showing it in different ways. Now, the most important way, at least to Gamecock fans, and rightfully so, is what they do on the field. Because they've been able to practice in season for three games, get ready for three games now going on to their fourth. They have a better idea of what things are all about with college football. Now, that doesn't mean like a guy like a Louis Tosin Bubalade or uh, Nicholas Harbor, as you saw, Harbor was out there for nine snaps on a wide, wide receiver this past weekend. That doesn't mean they've figured it out completely, even a guy like Mario Anderson. But as Mario mentioned last week, Mario's like, I just had to work on my mental side of things for making the jump up to D from D2. And then a guy like Harbor, Harbor was banged up a little bit. I mean, how many times do we have to say that? Harbor was banged up towards the end of preseason camp. He missed time. He's a guy that played tight end in high school. He played edge in high school. He's transitioning to wide receiver, a position that he's picking up. That's not to say that he wasn't spread out and did something. No, but he's learned in high school, but he's learning a new position. He's catching passes from a guy that actually throws freaking rifles, too being that of Rattler. So when you miss some time, especially as a freshman, it's going to put you behind the eight ball a little bit. So if we yeah. see Harbor out there this weekend, if we see a guy like Tyson Russell, another younger guy, no, he's not a freshman, but we start to see some of these other guys out there and they start doing well, don't instantly be like, well, where was that early? Some of these guys, it takes time. This isn't a freaking video game. This isn't a video game where you just insert someone and they're instantly going to have success. It takes time. Some of these guys, yes, you can throw them out there a little bit quicker than others. Some of them have the body size. Some of them have the other intangibles needed to be able to play at this level right away. But that doesn't mean that they won't see the field at some point. And I think we're going to see a lot of what the future for this season is going to look like, right? Do we see sellers a little bit more? Do we see them featured in some packages? This weekend, I think, is going to show us and teach us a lot about what South Carolina is ultimately trying to do as they head into now the second, what, the the, the second third of the season? I wasn't good at math here. Yeah. I, th I mean, I think. Like, I, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm also a journalism kid, so I – 
going on game four, but you get the you get the point. Yeah, First, like I guess. Yeah, you're you're moving into the yeah I second quarter second quarter of the uh, of the year. Yeah, second quarter. I, three, I think three, it's three, three. quarter. I think it's quarters. But it, you, I was not expecting a, a math question there to 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 get to have it thrown over to me. But um, no, um, going with that, like I agree, Mike. Like I think Tree needed all three games to or needed those two games to you know get ingrained in the starting lineup. Um, I, I don't think he could have – I guess potentially you throw him in there week one, but I don't think he would have been or looked would have looked as developed as he would have against Georgia. I think he would have seen some errors and people would have been like, oh, why are you starting a freshman kind of thing, like all that. Like, Tree needed a couple games – or needed a couple weeks to kind of, you know, get in the swing of things. And now he wouldn't have been horrible, as we know, because, I mean – how how much you know progress can he make in in two weeks realistically? But I I don't think he would have been as good as he was against Georgia. Uh, Mike, you want to get to some of the questions? Yeah, we can get into some of the questions. I also want to pull up after we get to the questions. Yeah. I want to pull up Aluatosin Bubalade because he has quickly become. I mean, I don't want to go as crazy to say fan favorite, but I think the hardcore fans, the ones that follow recruiting and. A lot of people over on our, our website at Gamecock Central and other recruiting sites across the city, I think they know the talent that this guy has has been, you know, projected to have. And we've been able to see a little bit of it so far. But being able to listen to him, if you've never heard him, when I say he is going to become a fan favorite, he is going to become a fan favorite. So, yeah, obviously, if he can I, keep playing well, it's going to help. But his personality... That was the first thing that I put. I, I, I tweeted it out. I said, this guy is going to be beloved. And I looked at Colin. He just looked back. He's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun covering for the next three to four years. But let's get into those questions, yeah. though. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Tree's won over the hearts of the media members, at least. Very easy guy to talk to. Very fun guy to talk to. So I, I, I will say that. Um, Mike Glass, no mention of Caldwell. Is he hurt? Not to our, our, our knowledge. I mean, Beamer hasn't mentioned anything about Caldwell being hurt. I think again, and I'm I'm making an assumption more than anything, but you have a young guy, you know, you have a young guy. So it, some of these guys, it's going to take them a little bit longer to come along. And I know too. Here's the other thing, Joe. Yeah, this is what drives me friggin' nuts when people do. Yes, South Carolina's receiver room is banged up, and you know you have guys. Maybe it's a little bit unorthodox. Um, in the sense of, okay, he's not a true wide receiver. But you have Luke Doty out there at wide receiver. You have some of these guys moving around, kind of playing musical chairs. And and because of that, you're going to have some fans reacting, say, oh, we have this five-star. Why isn't he playing? Oh, we have this talented guy. You're not at friggin' practice. Stop. Stop. Just yeah. stop with it. So yeah. I say that because, and I've and I've been told certain things about other odd receivers, younger guys, and the biggest thing that I'm told, which is not earth-shattering news, it's not like we're reporting on Watergate here, is that they just need to be able to stack good days after, on top of good days, just be a little bit more consistent. So, again, this isn't specifically talking about Codwell because we don't know the reason why, but that is what if I had to take a guess based on some of the other things I've been hearing about younger receivers, that's the reason. And, oh, by the way, Oh, by the way, that wide receiver musical chair room that South Carolina has had so far, it's also helped produce the
the eighth best passing attack in the country. Now, there's no question that that starts with Spencer Rattler. All right, then you go to go to the offensive lineman and who's given, and then we can talk about how Xavier Leggett has played a big role in that. But the guys that have been called upon, and it hasn't been perfect by any means. I mean, I mentioned this after the game last week, Joe, that they probably could have done a better job of creating a little bit more separation. I don't know if the rain screwed up their routes, but like I've said before, I'll never blame it on weather because what South Carolina was dealing with was the same weather conditions that Georgia was dealing with. But um, right now, we just we don't know what the issue is with Caldwell, but I would not put too much stock into it because, again, he's a young guy. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I agree. Um, Mike Anderson asked, what's going on with Kroger this year? It's a good question. You have any thoughts question. on it first? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, because I don't know what's going on in, in Kai's head, so I don't know if it's if it's the yips or something like or he's just not – you know, working or I, I don't know. I don't want to make any assumptions on what's going on in, in, in somebody's life. Um, so realistically, no. I mean, I can have my assumption, sure. But I mean, are they worth making public? No. I think, look, the reality is, is this Kai, just like any athlete, because of the success he's been able to have over the last couple of years, he's going to be. I don't want to say unfairly, but he's going to be graded differently and looked at differently in comparison to some other players. And that's just the reality of it. That's not a negative thing, but the spotlight is on him a little bit more. Um, He understands even going back to SEC media days when he was, I think I'm trying to figure this out. 2015 was the first SEC media days that I attended when I worked in Mississippi. Elliot Fry was one of the players that represented South Carolina. There's only been two Gamecocks since 2015 specialists that have spoken at SEC Media Days. I think maybe four or five in total when you look at other schools, punters and kickers. Um, So, yeah, he understands the spotlight's on him. But I think it's one of those things like, look, it's not just the Kai Kroger thing. The special teams as a whole for South Carolina, it hasn't been at the level of what we saw last year. And that doesn't mean hit the panic button. That doesn't mean, okay, hey, we got to start getting on a coach. No, no, no. Pete Lumbo, Shane Beamer, two of the best special teams minds in the country, and they're working together. There's been so so many other things that this team has been dealing with, right? But the biggest challenge, we've said this about offense, we've said it about defense, but it's the same when it comes to special teams. They're young. They're a young team. There's a lot of unproven talent here. And as we heard from Lembo, and hopefully we'll hear, we'll hear from Lembo tomorrow because he didn't speak last week. I don't know this for sure. I think the reason why he didn't speak, I think he was meeting with CBS during that time. That's why we got the other two coordinators, offense and defense. But as he mentioned two weeks ago, it's a work in progress with some of these younger guys, right? Even though they probably spend more time with special teams than other schools across the country, and make it a higher emphasis, they put a higher emphasis on it, that doesn't instantly translate into success with guys just being able to come right out there and being able to do what you're asking them to do because they're young. So like we've talked about with some of these other guys with certain positions, right, and even transfers, you throw a guy like Mario Anderson in there, you talk about some of the offensive linemen, it could be a wide receiver, right? We might see some of these younger wide receivers step up. Same deal when it comes to special teams. And I'm not saying that is the reason why Kai's not having 
as much success. But because of that, because of the other things going around sometimes, as Kai has pointed out to me before, Mitch Jeter's pointed out before, when you know that you have other players on the field from a special team standpoint that want to be out there and are doing their job and doing a good job at it, it makes your job a hell of a lot easier. You're not worrying about that other stuff. So I wonder if that also plays into it a little bit, Joe. Um, But, you know, I don't want to overthink it. I think Kai's going to be fine. It's a a long season. We still have nine more games to go in the regular season. Yeah, no, I agree. He was great last year, and it's really hard to replicate two years of really, really, really good stuff, especially on a special teams level. And and punting, you know, you really, really have to have it. And it's a little bit of luck, too. A little bit of luck. Um, so Mike Brown asks, why don't they use 24 running back? We need to help to get help Rattler with running with the running game. Um, 24 being Mario Anderson. We've, we've been talking about that as well. Like Mario Anderson is going to be one of those guys. He's on the depth chart listed as an or behind, um, Juju McDowell and to carry on joiner. So Mario Anderson, can I, say will something? Be- can I say something about that real quick though, Joe? Yeah, yeah, too? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm not saying this at you, but. And we've, yeah. we've, we've poked fun at the depth chart. This thing means absolutely nothing. Okay. It means absolutely nothing. So when you see that, I'm not saying this yep. to you, but when people are yep. out there like, oh man, why is he still behind? It's based on what's going on in practice. There could be a matchup as well. But like yep. I've, like I'm pulling up right here, Mario had 16 snaps at running back last week. He's continuing to see more. Yes, he only had two carries last week, but I'm bringing this suburb up because remember that number. Remember that number. If he has a good week of practice, I expect that number to be up more this weekend. But continue, Joe. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I, I just brought that up purely for the confirmation that he's going to play, yep. right? Because I feel like we get asked this question so much. Mario Anderson, Mario Anderson, Mario Anderson, Mario. Like, why? where is he? Where is he? He's getting there, right? And we, we talk about it every week, it feels like. You have to have a really good week at practice. And Mario is one of those guys that is developing. And it's just going to come with time. You're, you're going to see it. And I, I think it, it's not going to be one of those. Oh, well, I'm unless there is a matchup that they really love. I don't think we're going to see Mario Anderson just all of a sudden be the number one running back and just getting, you know, all the carries up and down the field and all that stuff. Like that's just not going to happen. And it, so I, that that's just how I feel about it. And this is something too, for those of you that may not have seen it, former Gamecock running back, Mike Davis, this was actually during the game against Georgia saying 24 at running back for South Carolina, meaning Mario Anderson, runs hard. Give him more opportunities, please. So, yes, I agree with what everyone's been saying about giving Mario the ball more. But as I've pointed out, again, South Carolina's had a lot of success in the past game. And even though they desperately, desperately need to be able to find a way to get their run game going, which I think you will see it improve. There were a lot of people that were, you know, oh, there's no way this offensive line's going to be able to improve. Again, they still have their issues. They still have their leaks. They still have their holes. But from where they were week one to what they did against Georgia, that was progress. Three sacks allowed. Okay. Again, not perfect by any means. You have some young offensive linemen up there. That's not an excuse, but that's just, again, that's the reality. But they did a good job. Treated a good yeah. job. Three sacks that week. She did a very good job. And then you also had, what, was it two sacks the week before against Furman? And a lot of that came in garbage time. So I'm not even looking at really those sacks in that game. 
Because, again, a lot of that had backups were in at that point. You've only allowed three sacks. If you want to throw one of the fourth ones in before they really put junk guys, I mean, Rattler didn't get sacked um, in the Furman game. But Rattler's only been sacked three times since that North Carolina game. Three times. And like I mentioned before, DK has done a nice job with helping play a role in that pass protection. But, yes, you have to find a way to get Mario out there. Hopefully Mario is, and that might be the question that I ask. That might be the question I ask tomorrow to Dale Loggins. I might find a way to ask him about pass pro and how Mario is coming along with that. Because, again, they trust DK a lot with that. And when you take him off the field, you have to make damn sure whoever you're putting at at running back can do what he can do from a pass pro standpoint. So that plays a role into it. That plays a factor into it. Yep. Yeah, and I, I firmly agree. Like that, I, w- I was just about to bring that up. You got to make sure Mario Anderson can block in, in pass pro. So I think that's huge. Um, do you all think Beamer will try and start and get getting sellers more packages, or do you think they will focus more on his red shirt? We talk about this every week too, Mike. <laughs> um, for me, I think they're going to lean more towards the red shirt just because, you know, we're already a quarter of the way through the season. And it, I mean, we haven't really seen anything to start unless something really develops and they just start happen to rep and rep something out in practice. And it's, um, you know, it, it, it feels really good to them. Like a seller's package, like they're good to go. I, I mean, I don't see them burning um, the year of eligibility, but I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe there is one in place, but, I mean, they haven't shown it yet, so I have no no reason to believe that they would, you know, employ a, a seller's package at this point. I think, and it doesn't mean that it's in stone after this weekend, but I feel like with a lot of things that we're trying to figure out about this South Carolina team, one of those things I think we'll have a better idea about will be what the plan is with sellers moving forward. And the reason I say that is, Now you're getting into that fourth game. We talked about how you're heading into that second quarter of the season, right? Fourth game of the year, of the 12-game regular season. At some point, you have to look at it and say, is it worth it? Is it in the best interest of not only that young man, but is it in the best interest of our program moving forward? And if he's able to get out there, and it's not about just three plays, four plays, five plays, whatever the case may be, depending on the number of snaps he's out there for as a coaching staff, like they do for every game and they do for practices as well. When they go back and reevaluate things on Sunday, they're going to have to ask themselves. And this is, you know, saying if sellers were to get into the game against Mississippi state, is this something worth burning a red shirt year for? So again, and I said this last week on the show, I know we've talked about this, like you said, Joe, for the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, where it really it's feels been like the topic of conversation after that Furman game. I tell you what, what it feels like is, is that after this weekend, South Carolina will have a better idea because again, you're, you're starting to see this kid gain confidence, right? What he did against Furman. And there's a possibility that South Carolina had a package in there for him against Georgia, but they weren't just going to throw him out there if they didn't feel like it was in the best interest, again, for not just him, but for the program. So now that they're heading into Mississippi State, now that you're heading into 
what is an important stretch of football here. I'm not just saying that because it's games four, five, six. Like when you look at the schedule, there's some games on the schedule, and I hate when people say they're a swing game and this and that, but there's some toss-up games. Mississippi State, on paper, this is a toss-up game. And when you look at a lot of these toss-up games, right, you start adding them up, that could be the difference between not just the successful season and an unsuccessful season, but potentially a bowl game or not playing in a bowl game. And that doesn't mean South Carolina will only get six wins if they're able to be in a bowl game. They could get seven. They could get eight. They could figure things out. But this stretch is so vital. And I think if you ask Shane Beam, if you ask this coaching staff, if you knew for certain this could help you get to that mark, whatever that mark is, seven wins, eight wins, nine wins, is it worth using sellers? He wants the win, I'm sure. But you got to figure it out. Is it worth it? And, oh, by the way, as we've talked about before, and this is where some people got very confused last weekend, this does not mean we're talking about putting sellers out there for Spencer Rattler. No, 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 no. This is talking about putting in a quarterback that has a unique skill set that would complement your starting quarterback, which is Spencer Rattler, who I think it's very difficult to take that guy off the field, especially with the way he's playing. And that includes third and short situations, just because he's so dangerous even though South Carolina has been struggling running the football third and one third and two, you do a play action. You have to respect his arm. And that's not to say sellers doesn't have an arm. Cause we saw that against Furman, the throw, the throw heard around Columbia. But I think again, we'll start to have a better idea of it after this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. No, completely agree. Tyler, hope that answered your question. Got a long one from Danny. I'm going to paraphrase it real quick. Just the questions he asked. Um, so where's Jerron Willis? Where's Pup? Where's Bam? Where's Harbor? Where's Anderson? Where's Braswell? The offensive line was terrible against UNC. So our freshman, uh, so our our offense weren't good enough to start against UNC and Furman, but it makes good enough to start against UGA. It makes no sense, Mike. Where are all those guys, man? <laughs> where's everyone? We're seeing probably. I, I don't have a date in front of me. I'm going to do this over uh, for for next week's show. We're seeing probably more true freshmen play through the first three games than I can remember in recent years for South Carolina, okay? And it's not to say that they're not competitive either, right? There's a difference. There could have been a year that South Carolina wasn't as competitive, so they played more younger guys for the first three weeks. But this team is still competitive. You know, they gave Georgia a hell of a game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they had the – Two-time defending national champs, fourteen to three at half. If if that's not competing, I, like I don't know, I, it's hard. Yeah. Sorry, so again, no, but but that's but that's the whole point though of it. Yeah. Right. So having said all that, and we've mentioned this before, with a lot of these younger guys, you can't just assume that this is a video game and you could just throw someone in. Now, Beamer has acknowledged that certain players should have probably got some more snaps last week, or he's hoping that they can get more snaps this week. Because to me, when I hear a coach say that, that means they're coming along. They're, they're, they're making progress in practice, and the coaches are starting to have some more confidence in them. But I've been in situations, I remember in college, I mean, it doesn't matter what level you're at, it's one thing to be able to do it in practice, 
but the coaches have to truly believe that you can do it in the game. And sometimes it can be just, you know, being able to answer a simple question during film, right? We're in this coverage, you know, and they audible to this. What do we check to? Just little things like that. And I'm not saying that some of these guys aren't capable of answering those questions, but it goes back to having that trust from your coaching staff to put you in there. So as I alluded to before, we talked about Mario Anderson. We've mentioned about the offensive lineman right off the bat of the show. I think you'll start to see some of these younger guys or newer faces begin to play a little bit more, especially in some of the positions that South Carolina need a spark at, right? You look at linebacker, Stone Blanton played 68 snaps this past weekend. That was only 12 that he sat out of on defense, 80 snaps. That was all the snaps played on defense by Debo Williams. They need to be able to get some depth at linebacker. Pop Howard, another player that I'm sure someone wants to say, where's Pop? Well, again, like Harbor, Pup was banged up a little bit during preseason camp. Okay? He's coming along. He's making pro- He's a freshman. I'm, we started to see Pup could play a little bit more last week. I expect to see him play a little bit more as the season goes on. I expect to see Mario Anderson. I expect to see Tyson Russell. Russell. And to go back to what we said, Joe, just because they start to play now and if they do have success – It's not as simple as, oh, why weren't you playing them earlier? It doesn't always work that way, right? Everyone runs their own race differently. You don't know what's going on at practice. I can just tell you from certain players, based on what I've been told from people close to the program, that they're starting to figure things out, which is completely normal when it comes to freshmen, when it comes to younger players, when it comes to newcomers, when you're talking about a guy – like Mario Anderson, and they're gaining that confidence instead of, and I think, Joe, you may have said this before, instead of just throwing out someone into the mix too quick and they lose that confidence. We see that in baseball sometimes with pitchers. Same deal can happen in football. Yeah, that's what I think happened with Tree. Um, He needed a little bit, and I mean, maybe not. I don't think Tree's the type of person to lose confidence necessarily because he's a very happy-go-lucky kind of kid, but I don't know. Uh, Thomas asks, isn't it supposed to be easier for linemen to run block than pass block? I was not an offensive lineman. I played tight end, and I preferred pass blocking personally. Well, I mean, they enjoy doing it more. There's no question. I wish I had John Strickland on the the line with us right now. He was our mix-in-a-water guest on Monday. We will actually have Garrett Anderson, former Gamecock offensive lineman, he will be joining us on the postgame show this weekend. So that could be a question that we bring up with him after the game. And hopefully South Carolina is able to have some more success with their run game. But uh, again, to go back to Thomas's question, and I wasn't an offensive lineman, but just from you know being around football for as long as I have, being the son of a football coach and having played it through college, offensive linemen, offensive linemen love run blocking. Because they get to just go downhill. They just get to run people over. Having said all that, having said all that, and I'd have to go back and really watch it. There's been times where they've done some zone blocking. There's been times they've done some man blocking. Zone blocking is more complicated. We've seen that over the last two years, right? I mean, Marcus Satterfield, they did a lot of zone blocking. And there's benefits to doing zone blocking. Because I'm sure there's going to be a person that's going to say, well, if they're having issues zone blocking, why don't they do man there's benefits and sometimes you are doing zone because there's going to be more benefits in comparison to if you did man. And honestly, at this level for, for a lot of these guys who are trying to play at that next level, 
you should be able to do both. You should be able to yeah. do both. Um, but, but, but having said all that, it's not even as simple as, okay, hey, go downhill in your run blocking. We've mentioned this before, and I know some people are tired of, of, of hearing it. You, you lost your left tackle in the spring game. So everything that you did, everything that you were able to make progress at in the spring, I'm not saying it was completely washed away going into camp, but you lost a lot of it. You lost a lot of it. So now you go into to camp. I remember Nick Gargiulo told me this last week. They knew there were some blind spots, but they just didn't realize how bad it was or how how ugly some of those blind spots were for them going into that North Carolina game. And what happens in that North Carolina game, two series, and your right tackle goes down. So they've been playing musical chairs. And again, it's not a video game. It's not as easy as insert this person in here. And when, you re- when you're replacing over 60% of the starting snaps, it's not easy in HS. I don't care who's blocking. Oh, that's great. I mean, again, this isn't a video game, pal. You know, it's not just insert your created player on Madden and everything's going to be okay. There needs to be some continuity. And they have made progress, again, in the past, In the past, bro. Now they have to figure things out. Yeah, the, the, the Boston accent is certainly coming out tonight. Yeah, you guys start to piss them off. The Boston accent really comes out. Oh man, when I get when I get aggravated. But I say yeah. that because now that there's been a couple games under their belt, and certainly they've still played around with the the snaps. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I I'm trying I'm trying, trying to bring up the snap count here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is this is what I'm talking about, okay? HS, Wanamaker hasn't made progress. Well, buddy, did you watch the game this past weekend? Okay. Here, I'll do it for you. How many snaps did Wanamaker have? All right? If you're going to complain about something, if you're going to complain, please do your homework. Please don't be just complaining about something that you read three weeks ago on your little Twitter or something, okay? Stop it. Stop it. We are seeing, we are seeing new offensive linemen out there. We are seeing newer players get out there. We are seeing some of the underclassmen get out there. All right. There has been progress, but yes, they need to be able to figure out a way to get the run game going. There's no question about it. Yeah, absolutely. Brewer said, no, real quick, said yes, I, I was there. Section 103, row two. Here. Again, Wanamaker, two snaps. Yeah, he hasn't made progress. That's why he wasn't out there as much. Might want to get closer seats next time. Yeah. Anyways, moving on. Brewer even said today that Mario is the only real running back you got. Then you beat me too about Mike Davis's comments. If these ex players see it as or see it, why is it a discussion makes no sense? Brewer even me, I, I got you. I'll read I'll read it. Uh a little bit over the Matsy. Brewer even said it today that Mario is the only real running back we got. Then you beat me to it about the Mike Davis comment, wow. meaning former players are reaching out. If these ex players see it, why is it a decision, right? Why does it make no sense? So yeah. I bring, I think, look, everything you're saying, it makes sense. It makes sense. I think, again, going back to it, and these former players know, they understand what goes through it. I, I think at some point they want to see that trigger kind of pulled a little bit more. I felt like that should have been the case with Mario last game. And maybe, as Joe mentioned before, from the RPO standpoint, and we, we kind of talked about with Georgia hopping around, pre-snap and that probably played a part 
as to why Rattler decided to keep the ball and throw it on some of those plays uh, in comparison to running on those RPOs. So there may have been more opportunities for Mario to get the ball, but based on a certain look, because Georgia was hopping around, they may not have been able to get him the ball as much as they probably should have. So again, going up against Mississippi State, they're a stingy defense when it comes to the run. They're nothing in comparison to Georgia's run defense. But I would expect Mario to see the ball more. Again, not just being on the field. I think it was, what, 16 snaps? I expect to see him out there getting more carries. And if they can do that, right, that's great. Everyone else, right, DK goes out there and Juju, whoever you throw out there, it's going to be able to help everyone. But it comes down to being able to also help with the pass pro which DK has been able to do. And I'm not saying, because I know I've been really, really on that tonight, Joe. I don't want people to get get confused what I'm saying. I'm not saying you should sacrifice not being able to establish the run in order to make sure that your pass pro stays strong. Certainly something has to give. But hopefully, if Mario is out there, he's made progress with his pass pro. Okay, I'm not saying that he's bad at it. We just haven't seen it in a game against a Power 5 team. That's just the reality of it. We just haven't seen it really uh, as much. We saw it a little bit against Georgia. But I think if he's able to continue to improve that, it's going to give this coaching staff more confidence to put him out there. But I I think we'll see him used more, and I think we'll see him mix it up a little bit with DK. I think they're going to try to find a blend, and I think we're going to start to see it this weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I feel like I'm lightheaded talking about Mario Anderson. It's 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 always Mario <laughs> Anderson. Where is Nick Harbor? I mean, it's the same questions every week. Guys. You have like, some. You had some yeah. people a couple weeks ago, and not everybody. You had some people though that were like, "Oh, he's he's a D two running back." Where where are we get like after the North Carolina game? But then there's always something to complain about. But man. then you see what he does against Firm, and then some were like, "Well, let's see him do it against a real team." He only had two carries against Georgia. But he looked good enough to the point where a former Gamecock, Mike Davis, took to Twitter. And I'm not saying the people that are, you know, saying, hey, we want Mario now. Everyone felt that way. But there were a lot of people that were like, oh, he's a D2 back. Yeah, he's a D2 back. But he's he's holding his own. And I think we're going to continue to see him come along. And here it is, Joe. You're going to smile. Here's your Carlin's Patel reference of the night. It took, Carlin's, it, took Carlin's, it took Carlin's about four or five games when he transferred in from a D2 school. And he started the rest of the way at nickel. So I bring that up because there's something to be said. And maybe next week, maybe next week, screw having a Carlin's Patel reference. Maybe next week we'll have Carlin's on. And Carlin's could talk about that because I think it would be great, not just about, you know, we joke around about the D2 thing with with Carlin's, but not just the fact that he was D2, but someone that came in here, and how to learn a new system and how quickly he was able to pick things up. And obviously he was able to have a lot of success. I'm not going to be shocked. I'm not going to be shocked to see Mario Anderson start to see more of a workload. I don't think DK is going to go bye-bye completely. I mean, he scored no. three touchdowns uh, so far this season on the ground, as well. you know? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, next question is about DK. So tra- good transition into it, Mike. Uh, also with the injuries at wide receiver, do you think that DK would head back to wide receiver because at running back, we need an actual back. Also, why the HG double hockey sticks is Harbor not playing consistently with the lack of playing time. He might 
have transfer portal on his brain. Shout out Tree Babalade. Also, dude is a beast in the trenches. So Johnny threw a lot at us. But to answer your first question, um, I don't think they're going to move DK back to wide receiver simply because he yeah. has spent all offseason making his body a running back body from a wide receiver body. So he is a running back from here forward. You might see a couple wonky RPO swing pass pattern, something like that. But I, I, I don't think it's worth telling DK, okay, you're going to go play wide receiver no. right now after and you've yo, made your, your, your body to be an SEC running back. And what else has he done? Fair. And what else has he done so far for you at running back? Again, not saying everything's yeah. perfect, but what else has he done for you that we've been talking about all night long? He's just giving you different looks. But with his pass protection, I mean, he's, yeah, he's done such a good too. Yeah, 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 job yeah, back yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good right. point. That yeah. one that will be that one will be on the midterm. Write that one down. But no, he's he's be, done yes. he's done he's done a really good job there. Now, what I can see, what I can see is especially with uh, South Carolina being as banged up as they've been at wide receiver over the last couple of weeks. And I mean, look, even if Juice does come back at some point this season, I'm not expecting it to be anytime soon. I'm not going to be shocked to see them potentially move him out in different packages and have him out in the slot yeah. you know you'll see different packages and yeah patterns, right like they'll swing him out there i don't i won't or he's in or he's out there at running back they motion him out i mean that's yeah. the beauty about that mm-hmm. i think and the other thing too is we we sit here we sit here we sit here we talk about the impact that he's had at running back and obviously the other positions that he's been able to play over is what feels like eight years in South Carolina for crying out loud. Dal Loggins, this is what, just three games in in terms of being able to learn what these guys look like in his system. It's one thing to yeah. say, okay, I don't practice. It's one thing to watch them in another person's system, but what do they look like in your system? So look again, I think kind of like with what happened last year when South Carolina started to come along. And I know some people are going to be like, well, you know, games four and five, they had Charlotte and SCS, uh, excuse me, South Carolina State University. I, I get that. The schedule's probably a little bit trickier this year in comparison to last year with that middle part. But I, I think we will continue to see them use and feature DK at the running back position. But I wouldn't be shocked if they incorporate him in some type of, you know, try to get him in the screen game, use him out in the slot a little bit. And a lot yeah. of that has to do with, how Mario Anderson's coming along. Now, having said all that, I don't want to completely forget Juju. It was a little interesting not to see him out there other than playing special teams the other day. Another player who I'm not going to sleep on to see this year is Braswell. Now, if you had to ask me as of today. Mike, don't give them another player to ask us about. I think it's more likely that he'll redshirt this year. I think it's more likely that he'll redshirt this year. And. I get that people want to see so many of these guys right away. I totally get that. But on the back end of it, again, when you're talking about what's in the best interest for a student athlete as well as the program, at least right now, until I see otherwise, I think that's probably the move. But, again, things can change. He's he's done some good things. That doesn't mean he's not ready. But when you try to look at the big picture of it all. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I agree. I think – I, I'm glad you brought him up because he his development plan is similar to that of, of Sidney Fugar's, at least, or how it was supposed to be. Fugar comes in, develops, and becomes somebody 
next couple of years, Fugar wasn't meant to be thrown or wasn't intended to be thrown into the fire like he was this year. So I, I think Braswell is another one of those guys that you're going to see later on and, and he'll be a development piece. And um, if you can get a guy like Daniel Hill, man, think about that running back room. That's it's a lot And by better. the way, and by the way, we really haven't talked about that at all. I do want to just say this real quickly about it. There was a story that came out by an Alabama site. I think it was actually the Alabama site for on three. And they did an interview with his father, Daniel Hill's father. Mm. I don't really like talking about family members when it comes to recruiting of, of said recruit. Um, so all I'll say is if you haven't read that story in everything that we've been able to report, when I say we, I'm talking about the whole Gamecock Central team. Everything is lined up with what we've been told. And that is, uh, I think Daniel Hill went on Phil Cornblut's show maybe two weeks ago or so, something about the, around that time. And he shared that there was just some miscommunication before between himself and the family. What it sounds like is, and I'm not going to, you have one, you have one person wanting to go to one place and you have another family member wanting them to go to another. And I'll just leave it at that. Just based on what we read, that's that's kind of what I was, you know, that's my, shoot, I think actually the father said directly that he would like to be closer to his son so that he could go to the games more and all that kind of stuff. So that's the issue that you're running into. Now, having talked to someone, actually see if I can pull up the text today, having talked to someone close to the situation, because they're not thrilled about it, and I asked them, where is it? Where is it? Um, I said, with all this going on, do you still like where South Carolina stands? And they said, yes. They said, yes, I do. He's like, he really likes South Carolina. He really likes what Shane Beamer's doing over here. So, We'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see how things play out. But I don't want people to think that it's just close. It's, you know, game over with Daniel Hill. But yep. we'll see. No, I agree. Out. I certainly think that battle's still wide open. But, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, last question of the night goes to Linus Strain. Um, what are your thoughts on the defense in the second half? Did they just wear out or did Georgia just change the offensive scheme? I think it's a little bit of both. Right? I think they were just getting beaten different ways in the second half that they weren't in the first half. I think the first half they had, they did a good job of covering just about everything in the second half. They just got, they got beat on, on some silly things, right? Georgia mm -hmm. was able to piece, piece together those chunk plays, not necessarily the big plays or, or the explosive plays, but those chunk plays, they were just able to string them together one after another. Um, and I think that just kind of wore out the defense and they were, they were. I mean, they were on the field. There, those couple three and outs killed that defense because they were on the field so quickly. The time of Yo, possession, Mike, you're asking thank about you. it today. I'm not going to steal you your thunder here. I'll let you thank talk you about that. Thank you. That's a, thank a you for bringing that up. Because, yeah. look, time of possession, and that's why I worded it the way that I did because Colin Taylor and I, are Carl, my, our, our colleague, we kind of, um, you know, we were joking around about in the press box the other day. Time possession is one of those funky statistics because it doesn't fully paint the full story and it doesn't always end or indicate who's going to win the game. But when you look at it from team to team and you know the team that you're dealing with, and when I say 
they, I mean the coaching staff, they know that the Gamecocks are very thin on defense right now, and I'm so glad you brought that up. So when you look at time of possession, Georgia had the ball for just over 37 minutes while South Carolina had it for just under 23 minutes, okay? While USC wants to throw the football, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they just can't run the ball, and this is one of the stories I actually did today over on Gamecock Central, did our, our video report. So if you want to watch that video, Shane Beamer talked about it, Stone Bland, and the offensive lineman. I talked about how establishing the run and being able to get the run game going, not only does it help your offense, but it also helps your defense out, especially where USC's at. Because as Joe mentioned, right, and we saw the numbers, hopefully I don't get in trouble here for sharing all the goods behind the paywall. But, I mean, you look at, from a defensive standpoint, Right. I mean, Debo Williams, 80 snaps, Stone Blanton, 68, Marcellus Dial, Nick Eamon Worry, DQ Smith. You can't have guys playing the entire game. You just can't. I mean, it's that that is a recipe for disaster. That is a recipe for disaster. And, you know, the Travis Hunters of the world, and God bless him. I hope that young man is okay for Colorado. But you're not going to be able to have guys that can play 80-plus plays in a game each week. It's just not sustainable, and that's what Beamer even mentioned today. So having said all that, having said all that, I think one of the issues that South Carolina is having, and I know people are instantly going to think it's conditioning, it's that's not what I'm trying to get at, is that they need to have guys that continue to develop. We're seeing that on the offensive side, but especially on defense, so that they can have more depth. Joe, Think about week one. What did Beamer mm-hmm. say? We just don't have the depth right now. We don't have the proven depth at a lot of positions. We've seen that at linebacker. We've seen that at linebacker. But Pup Howard played 12 snaps this past week. I expect to see him more as well. Uh, the defensive back room, that is a, that's a young room. That's a very young room. Yes, you do have some talented guys on the back end. Yes, you do have guys like Odie Fortune and Mar- Marcella Style. But outside of that, Jalen Kilgore has done a very nice job. Outside of that, they're very, very young. David Spalding, you could throw him in there as being one of the vets, but they really need to develop depth. And obviously that starts in the front seven. Linebacker, we talked about it. Defensive line, they need more some, some more depth to be able to help them get that push, get that push. So I thought that played a big part as to why, and Beamer brought it up today, got to get off the field on third down especially when you know you're as thin as you are and you're not able to have the ball for as long as you'd probably like, you need to be able to get off the field. Um, I do want to mention, I'm looking at this real quick. Let's see. Uh, Where was it? Trying to figure out where it is. There was something that I saw on the side, Joe, that I wanted to pull up. Um, I will say this, though, too. This weekend is going to be electric. And I think it's going to really be a great opportunity for South Carolina to send a message to the rest of the college football world that what you saw in week one against North Carolina isn't indicative of who they are going to be and who they are right now. Do I think when we talk on Tuesday, Joe, that all the problems are going to be solved. No, I'm sure we'll still talk about the running back from a little bit. I'm sure we'll play, you know, the where's Waldo game with uh, 
players X, Y, Z. I'm sure we'll see that a little bit too. But I think we're going to continue to see an offensive line that looks just more in sync. I think we're going to look at uh, a defense that will hopefully continue to provide some more depth. So they'll look more fresh when you go into the fourth quarter. But um, you have Elshon Jeffrey coming back this weekend. It's a night game at williams Bryce. You're playing an SEC team. And not just an SEC team, but an SEC team who's going on the road to play their first road game in conference play with the Bulldogs coming into town. This is a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And I think you will see South Carolina do some good things. And what we see from this weekend, what we see from this weekend, I think will be a strong, a strong indication about what this Gamecock team will look like as they head into, after this game, the the final eight games of the regular season. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. What's your final thoughts, Joe? That was mine. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, my final thoughts, I guess, looking ahead to Saturday, um, got to win this game if you're South Carolina. I think it, in ter- not necessarily a, a must-win in true must-win fashion, but it would be really, really, really nice to get this one and prove it. You know, you're one of the better teams in the SEC and, and, and can win the games that you're supposed to, right, in the SEC. If you can do that, that is how you build a reputation around the conference that you are, you know, here to compete. Your, your program is on the rise, and how you do it is by beating the, the Mississippi States, the Vanderbilts, the Missouris, the Kentuckys of the world. So I think it, it, it's pretty much a must-win game for you. It's 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 definitely a very winnable game. Have to execute in all the problem areas, run blocking. But I, you you have a lot of hope and a lot of things to take from this Georgia game that should give you a lot of hope in this this week's game against Mississippi State. You did a lot of good things against Georgia. Now it's just about replicating it and, and doing that you know to the best of your ability and, and play South Carolina football and stopping the run, Mike. I think is going to be your biggest challenge this week. If you can stop the run, you beat Mississippi State. I think they, if, if they can stop the run, force Will Rogers to throw the ball around, he's going to make a couple mistakes, and then you can win this game. But, um, yeah, just got to just gotta execute on everything that, you know, you, you let slip in that second half against Georgia, and you, sh- you can win this game by a lot. Yep. No, and I think, look, this this is a game that South Carolina, I could see them easily going out there and, and putting a beating on the Bulldogs, but this is also a game I could see them losing. I know that I'm really going out of the limb saying that, huh? But no, it's it's the God's honest truth. And I think for a good portion of this fan base, and I've only been covering the team, this is my eighth year and ninth year of covering the SEC, going back to my Mississippi uh, days where I covered Ole Miss and Mississippi State, that they understand that games like this they could go either way. They could go either way. And this is, shoot, I'm not telling anything that Gamecock fans don't already know. Go back to week one, right? Is it going to be a step forward or is this going to be a two-step back game? Yep. Because if we're sitting here next week and we're talking about a 500 Gamecock team, they're going to have the opportunity to really get things going. Yes, the schedule gets tougher, okay? The schedule gets tougher. But being in a one-and-three hole, mm mm-mm. You don't want that. And we've talked about this before. Year three is one of the more difficult year for coachings, for coaches to be able to keep their program um, heading in the direction that they ultimately want them to. Go ask Will Muschamp. Year three is when the ship started to turn around and began to sink. All right? 
I think South Carolina, their foundation is much stronger in comparison to where that program was at that point in year three. A lot of that has to do with the recruiting that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff has been able to have been able to do in the last couple of years. But we're starting to see some of that young talent out there. And we're starting to see this 2024 class as Joe brought up. And I want to just show that and then we'll end on that note, Joe, because when we talk about recruiting, we talk about recruiting. It is, it is massive um, to know that South Carolina, as of today, as of today, they have now landed two, two five stars. And they potentially, they potentially could be landing another five star. And you, you, I think you want to say what you got to say over there. You're looking no, like. No, I was going to say, what? Well, there's that, but watch out for Nick or watch out for Cam Pringle as well. Yeah, be a five star. I think he will be. I didn't know so what I, you were doing with your face. You kind of looked no, like. No, I was little, like, I was like, I was like, yeah, your face like this. For, you looked yeah, like Little like, Nicky. You ever see the movie Little Nicky with Adam Sandler? I'm not. I'm not cultured. Mike. A little, Come on. Little, little before your time. A little bit. A little bit before your time. But, no, again, showing Josiah, and I want to show just the recruiting rankings real quick because we haven't looked at them in forever. Then we'll wrap up. It has been a minute. You get so wrapped up in so ball. Right now, they're ranked 19th nationally. Um, Stewart's still firmly a, a Gamecock as well. Okay. No, no worries for a flip. And if, and if you're not used to looking at recruiting rankings because people are going to be like, wait a minute, it says he only he's only a four-star right here. So on three – has bumped him up to a five-star. A lot of recruiting outlets, they don't rank offensive linemen until heading into their senior year. So I would expect Josiah to potentially get a bump up um, in some of these, as you can see right now, based on where he is with the with the um, with all the uh, with all the recruiting databases. Just you know, with your on excuse me i'm trying to go back here for a second your industry ranking again it's been forever since i've actually looked at this um with josiah and cam it might be difficult for them to be receiving five stars across the board i would not be shocked to see them receive you know cam could could receive one um but there's only 32 of those just keep that in mind there's 32 and the reason why there's 32, and some people might not be aware of this, but some of our hardcore fans who follow recruiting and have followed recruiting for years probably already know this, 32 is representation of the 32 spots you have in the first round of the NFL draft. So a lot of that goes hand in hand together. But again, as of today, South Carolina has two five-stars by on three. Dylan Stewart, who is a five-star plus, five-star plus means Every major recruiting site has him as a five-star. And then Josiah Thompson recently picking up his fifth star. And as you can see right there on three, very high on him in comparison to some of these other ones. Not saying that the other ones don't feel like he's high uh, or higher on him. 24-7 sports, they also have him number two for his position at offensive tackle. But on three has Thompson at number nine as the ninth best prospect in the nation, actually ahead of Dylan Stewart. How about that? How about that? All right. 
If you missed any of our show, you know the drill. Head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page and be sure to subscribe for free if you're not already subscribers so you could watch every GC Live show, not just intern Joe and I talking on Tuesday nights. You can listen to Wes and Chris. They do their shows Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. We also have GC, uh, the GC Live afternoon drive that I do on Thursday. Last week, we had Chris Doring of the SEC Network on. The week before that, J.D. Bacall was on. This week, we're going to have to wait and see who we have as a guest. And then we also have the GC Live postgame show on Saturday. As I shared before, former Gamecock offensive lineman will be joining intern Joe and I. We'll have the phone lines going. So if you want to complain, you want to chair, whatever you want to do, you can do that. We'll have the phone lines. And then also on Sunday nights, intern Joe does his show. God help us all. We have given our intern his own show. Intern Joe has the walkthrough Sunday nights, tune in around 7 o'clock when that gets uploaded. And again, if you're a podcast listener, head on over to the Gamecock Central podcast platform. And by the way, I'll throw this out there. You want to sign up for GC? Why not? It's only $1. Sign up, $1. Take advantage of it. You can be able to see a lot of the stuff that you haven't been able to see behind those paywalls, which, oh, by the way, a lot of these recruiting sites, including on three, they're going to start to put more paywalls up, right? Maybe only be able to see three free articles. And then that fourth one, you're not going to be able to see it. So take advantage of the deal. Why not? Why not? Not just football. Basketball season's right around the corner as well. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike. You appreciate you guys that tuned in tonight. If you're heading on over to williams Bryce Stadium this weekend, Enjoy the game. Enjoy seeing one of the greats, Alshon Jeffrey, back into the building. And be sure to mix in a water, too, because it's going to be a long, long day, those night games. Everyone have yourself a good night. And uh, real quickly, Joe, yeah. before we, we, we forget, we want to make sure, too, that we thank our sponsors. And today's show, as it always is, is brought to you by Clint Hammond of the Movement oh Mortgage. Clint has been a longtime sponsor of Gamecock Central as well as every GC Live show. That's why you see that right above the screen every show. If you're trying to buy a home right now, you understand how difficult it is to be able to find that best rate out there, that low rate. Well, you give Clint a call over at 803-771-6933. He'll be able to help you do just that, the same way that he was able to help out our very own Wes Mitchell and former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth when they were purchasing a home. And Joe, today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Yeah, Mike, tax anxiety is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax and Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time if you're in a hurry for your refund. Call the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal. Make an appointment or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents. And when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs. All right. Again, appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. We will see you Saturday night after the game of the GC Live postgame show. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.